You're listening to the Horses, Hats, and Bourbon podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for stopping by. I am really pumped about this new season of the Horses, Hats, and Bourbon podcast. I thought, who better to kick off the season than Kentucky Tourism Commissioner Mike Manchett? He's going to kind of give us our travel forecast, if you will, for Kentucky this spring and summer. There is a lot of pent-up demand for travel. It is the middle of the winter, and trust me, I know I am dying to get out of town too. Mike is really passionate about tourism in Kentucky and making more people aware of our story and all that we have to offer. You could say tourism and dedication to community is in his blood. He's a Northern Kentucky native, and his dad was in the JCs, and because of that, they would travel all throughout Kentucky. So you can believe many of the places that we're going to cover in the podcast, especially throughout the season, Mike has been there himself. And he's excited that more and more visitors are naming Kentucky as their top travel destination. Well, Commissioner Manchet, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me again. I feel like you're kind of our official forecaster of the Kentucky tourism season. I mean, you're kicking off the podcast season. What a way to kick it off because you do kind of set the tone for um our travel plans ready this year well thank you we're excited uh we're, we're very um optimistic about 2022 we just sent out our newest uh official visitors guide we changed the name this year to the inspiration guide and uh it's, it's beautiful it covers all nine regions of the state but yeah i think we are um we all are all very optimistic about 2022 and uh, the, the travel industry do you continue to be surprised though i mean we, we talk openly about when I talked to you last year, yeah, it's, it's rough after COVID, but do you feel like in many ways, Kentucky had this chance to open up its doors to a whole different segment of the population and say, hey, drive here and come see our outdoors, our trails. Like, do you see, did you see something really optimistic in that the last couple of years that, wait a minute, we, we've, got, we've got other things that we need to be promoting too. Yeah, we absolutely did. And and the great thing about it too, Claudia, was that a lot of Kentuckians decided I'm going to stay closer to home and see a different part of the state than I've seen before. And, you know, you don't necessarily think sometimes when you're thinking, what am I going to do for my vacation over the summer? A lot of folks think they have to go out of state. Well, you know, maybe you're a beach fan or whatever else, but there's so much to see and do here. And, and if there's, if, you know, if there was a silver lining in COVID uh, from a travel standpoint, it was that people stayed home. Uh, other people in larger cities, you know, and, and we're, we're so fortunate to be so close to so many metropolitan areas, did want to get out of the cities. And Kentucky was a great destination. It may have been a place that they'd gone to before as a, as a child or, or decided I want to go somewhere new and came down and, and, and saw us for the first time. The great thing about that, our research going back years shows that once you get someone to Kentucky, they become a repeat customer and they come back over and over again. So uh, there, there was opportunity there. We saw those visit, visits coming in from, as you said, out of state and some new first time visitors, but also the in-state travel. And actually we switched some of our, our marketing around last year to only focus on in-state, which is not something we had traditionally done. When you look ahead to this year, are you beginning to see a return to the festivals and the events? Do you see that starting to pick up in different parts of the state? Uh, yes. And, you know, we've now had close to two years of dealing with COVID and, and uh, Kentucky and, and has been very, very um, aggressive in battling it with, with what uh, Governor Shear has done. And I applaud all of his efforts uh, and what he's done to keep Kentuckians safe. But 
what we've also realized and learned through this pandemic pandemic is how to do events safely and 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 large meetings and conventions. So we are seeing those come back. Just recently, the Kentucky Derby Festival announced they're coming back to in-person events uh, for the first time in, in two years. So it's very exciting for that. Uh, our meetings and conventions and conventions, excuse me, and conferences that you know that Louisville is really a lot of the backbone of Louisville tourism and our large markets. We're seeing that start to come back. And that market's going to be a little slower for a variety of reasons. Many of those large shows are planned out two, three years in advance. So it's trying to get back into that into that uh, rotation with them, but very optimistic about that as well. I always look forward to the travel season in Kentucky because I know you all always unveil a new slogan. I look forward to that, right? I love last year's. Uh, this year is This is Kentucky. Come see for yourself. Love that. Why, why did you think that that was like so fitting uh, for this year? Well, we actually launched that last fall and we're going to continue it into the spring. Um, we really just felt like what I was saying earlier. Uh, a lot of folks, when, when, you, when we do our research and, and visitor profiles and uh, in, in focus groups in other markets, we'll say, well, I've never been to Kentucky. I've always heard about it. They'll know Kentucky Derby or they know bourbon or whatever it may be, but they haven't visited and it's really an education process of, of getting them uh, to know what we have. And, and really, as I said earlier, once we get them here, the research backs it up. They come back time and time again. They become advocates for us. I can't tell you how many focus groups I've watched. Uh, marketing's not all glamorous. Sometimes you have to sit down and watch focus groups. But uh, where, you know, when, when the facilitator asks a question about what do you know about Kentucky and you know, three people say nothing and someone will say, oh, I've been there. I've done that. And you can see them become advocates for us. Oh, well, if you go, you've got to try this and go eat at this restaurant. And oh, there's this great bar or whatever it may be. So that's real. So so we felt like the slogan, come see for, your accept, come see for yourself, excuse me, was really just that invitation to come in and, and we can tell you all about it. But until you come experience, for, experience Kentucky for yourself, you're really not going to get that feel for the hospitality uh, the, the, the incredible experiences that you can have on a, on whether it's a long weekend or a week long vacation. Now I hear people say that all the time when I travel and they ask where I'm from and then I say Kentucky and then suddenly then they roll into, well, you know what, when I visited and it's always, I never thought this and this and this. And I thought, well, good, good. Now you need to come back and bring your friends with you and tell another friend. Well, that's the other thing that, that people are surprised by the experiences they can have. Um, and, and again, keep harking back on the research, but people say, I never knew I could have that culinary experience or that music experience, uh, whatever it may be. And, and, and you know, I, I can't uh, emphasize this enough. And it's come through. We've got records here of research going back 30 years and you read it then. And it says the hospitality and friendliness of the people really stood out and, and comes through in, in, the, in the research profiles and, and responses. So. Uh, that's really what it's about. Come see, come experience our hospitality, our attractions, our music, our culinary, everything. And you'll want to come back and bring friends. You mentioned people like driving in from other states. Are you seeing more of that? Like the emphasis suddenly on, on families, couples, singles, thinking road trips, road trips are key. I don't know if it's, you know, sometimes when you get off to another destination, Airline prices are high. Hotels are high. There's something, are you seeing? It's just a very appealing thing to be a state or two away and think, wow, we can drive there and get everything we need. Yeah, road trips are going to continue being important in, in those road trip itineraries. You know, it kind of started, Claudia, with 
uh, COVID and, and people, the pent up demand wanting to get out, but they were hesitant to fly. So if I'm in my car, I can control that, that environment. I can control where we stop. And, and so through COVID, it became an escape. Well, now there's still some hesitation in, in how other, other places are, are handling COVID. Um, but people want to get out and go. So the road trips are, are, I don't see that really ending for the next 18 to 24 months. And even then, I don't think it'll end. But the interest is there. We continue to see it grow. Uh, and it's a great opportunity for, for many of our rural destinations, that maybe those, those un, you know, smaller, unknown regions of Kentucky uh, that, that people get outside of the Golden Triangle, as they say. Uh, and, and we've seen that also in visitation. So, yeah, the road trips and, and are going to be an important part of what we do and promote. Um, our PR department has been putting together road trip itineraries through each of our nine regions. We did that all last year. We're going to continue that this year. So it, it's absolutely something that we're going to focus on. It's going to continue. You showed me your new kind of experience guide for folks. It has the horse on the cover. Of course, we think of horses, bourbon, when we think Kentucky. But last year, for a couple of places I visited, I was pleasantly surprised and blown away by how uh, different regions were marketing the outdoor adventure. Went to Harlan County. I've never seen... <laughs> The state parks, kingdom come, the view there. And I thought I've never been out. I was there years, years ago to revisit and see the repackaging of it and realizing what have I been missing out on? Red River Gorge. That was another one where I took my son in the fall and it was outdoor adventure galore. And I really, I was, I was excited to see that. And you, you obviously have to see a market in that, that, cause I mean, we do have some great outdoor sports and adventures here. Yeah, and I think outdoor adventure is something that we have kind of taken for uh, granted here in Kentucky. And uh, we've always promoted the outdoors as one of our pillars of Kentucky tourism, along with horses and bourbon and music and culinary and history and, and others. Uh, but I really think last year showed us the value of it um, even more. And, and you're right, we had some local destinations in the state around like Cumberland, for instance, that had you know, record months in the, at the height of the pandemic because people could get outdoors and, and safely uh, uh, distance themselves and and still have a good time. And when you look at it, uh, look at Kentucky geographically. I mean, it's just an overabundance of riches. You mentioned Red River Gorge, but you you know go to far western Kentucky with the lakes of Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley and so many of our state parks. You know, you mentioned taking your son or, or you had visited the parks when you were little. When I was growing up, my father was president of the Kentucky State JCs, which at the time was a, a large state organization. And we jump in the in his Pontiac and drive every weekend all over the state. And and to me, in a lot of those areas, you mentioned Kingdom Come State Park, and, and I remember going to Eddyville when I was you know eight years old with dad. And and I may not have gotten back there for years. And that's a lot of us, right? When we were younger, we took those in-state road trips. And I think that ties into what we talked about last year uh, with with people wanting to get out and rediscover Kentucky. And, and that's that's kind of an overused phrase, which is why we don't use it, but and get out and, and really take advantage of, of our hiking trails and our forest and our rivers. You know, people, I say this to my peers because all the state travel directors, we always have to one up one another. And I'm like, yeah, we make 95% of the world's bourbon and we're the horse capital of the world. But did you know we have, you know, the most moving water outside of uh, Alaska? We've got more coastline than Florida, stuff like that. And they go, no, you don't. I'm like, look it up. And, and we do, and, and I, again, I think we take that for granted and, and how much of our, our state is forested and we gain the Boone National Forest. 
know, there's a reason we do waterfall Wednesdays on our social media, right? Show the different waterfalls because we have so many of them. But uh, outdoors, outdoor adventure is is a key component of Kentucky tourism. Uh, you know, I, I know uh, going back to those focus groups we were talking about before. I remember one we were doing in Chicago, and and a, a young lady said, you know, I go to Red River Gorge three times a year just to rock climb because it's the best in the world. And, and again, with outdoor adventure, a lot of times you don't see those folks. You don't realize the impact it's having because they're not staying in a hotel necessarily. They're camping or, they, you know, or, or running into a restaurant you know, like Miguel's and getting a pizza and going back out. But uh, it, it's, it has a big impact on, on, our, uh, on our tourism industry here in Kentucky and is a vital component and will continue to be. I was going to say, Miguel's parking lot, I don't know if I saw a single Kentucky license plate except my own. <laughs> I thought Omni... Because it, it was Canada and it was, you know, Wyoming. It, it was it was great to see that many people coming in um, from all over the country, all over the world to visit that area. Well, um, if I can, I think, too, that and I've said this before about about folks in Kentucky. I think a lot of times Kentuckians, I'll say, have a little bit of an inferiority complex. And what I mean by that is we don't think what we have here is as nice as what other people may have somewhere else, if that makes sense. And, and it's amazing to me when I, we do bring guests in journalists or tour operators or just guests in general. And they're like, how, how beautiful Kentucky is. And, and uh, everything turns green when, when I cross the river and come into Kentucky. And, and I think we do tend to take that advantage. So if there's one thing I'll tell your listeners you know, as we're heading into spring and, and the summer, get out and go visit another part of the state. Take your hiking boots and, and whatever, or your tent, and, and or go glamping in the gorge. There's some places to go do that now. Uh, and, and really see other parts of it that, that you just do take for granted. You have a lot of these trail towns, and I'm fascinated with this concept of trail towns. And, and you have another one in Livermore in West Kentucky. Talk about what is a trail town? You have 24 of them, right? In the state now, right um, around there, 24. Uh, what is a trail town? And is it like a process to become a, a certified official trail town? Uh, actually it is. Uh, it's a program that's been in place now for probably 12 to 15 years in the state. And, and the, the thought about it was to really develop in more rural areas Kind of that key town where where if, if you're into the outdoors you know you have needs you, you need food obviously but if you're a cyclist you need a bike shop if you know you need outfitters for hike for hiking and rafting and things like that so uh, it is a, a, a process there's an office here uh, in my in my agency that oversees the trail town program and it's a fairly lengthy certification process it'll take a couple of years to get everything in place uh, and then as we promote them, again, it, it's kind of that center point or, or central location that, that you can kind of hub and spoke out of if you're, if you're, you're doing a bunch of outdoor adventure, but if you have needs there, as I said, outfitters, hotels, et cetera, um, that's what they do. So we're very proud of the fact that, that Livermore has joined. We have now, uh, I think it's now 25. Uh, as a matter of fact, I went online earlier. We've got to update our trail town guide. We've only got 20 of them listed. So we need to get 25, all, all 25 in there. But, um, I think the communities have seen a lot of benefit for it. You know, they get highway signage and, and other parts of this that really help draw those travelers off um, off the interstates into those into those smaller towns. And for the certain type of traveler that's looking for those specific adventures, they know I'm going to find one stop shop right here. This is going to have all my needs pretty much. Where I know I'm not going to be stranded out in the middle of nowhere. Right, and now yeah. we're starting to see um, 
trail towns that are incorporating water trails, you know, with rivers and lakes and creeks and streams, and uh, which is kind of a cool evolution of it. So, you know, they're spread all over the state. So uh, there's one near your listeners and, and go visit, say hi, and, and check them out for yourself. Horses, bourbon, and the great outdoors. That's Kentucky. Original, majestic, and wide open. This is Kentucky. Come see for yourself. Plan your road trip at KentuckyTourism.com. Of course, like bourbon and our, all our wonderful distilleries continue to be a high point of why people want to come to Kentucky and plan those trips. Uh, how do you see the outlook this year? I feel like that we've had a lot of different developments. Are there new developments like on the horizon with many of them or new ones that are cropping up? Well, one of the amazing things throughout um, the last 10 years, I would say, but especially through the pandemic was the fact that the bourbon industry just continued to grow. And, and while we saw fewer visitors in 2020 at the distilleries, uh, what you saw is that those visitors that came spent more money. And I just literally this morning got a press release from Buffalo Trace who says 2021, they set a, a record for visitors, uh, even over 2019, which was, which was the highest year ever. And, and I think you're going to continue with that. And most importantly, you also saw the investment that the distilleries were making, not only in ramping up their manufacturing, because we all know through the pandemic, their their sales numbers were going through the roof. Uh, and, and I was a, a big reason for that, I think. But um, for the rest of it, uh, the visitor experience uh, investments that you've seen just in the last year, you've seen Heaven Hill open a new $20 million investment in Bardstown, Log Still Distillery uh, in Gethsemane opened with their tasting room and an amphitheater. Uh, and you're just continue, continue, excuse me, continuously seeing this investment come in. So from that outlook, uh, I, I think the sky's the limit. And, and uh, you know, the, the, our friends at the Distillers Association and, and the members of the Bourbon Trail uh, have done a great job in marketing that and packaging that as a, as a location. You've seen so many uh, ancillary businesses, I'll, I'll say, grow up around that with the tour companies and and I can't tell you on my office is here in Frankfurt and, and I'll bet I see 20 to 25 mint julep tours or 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 other similar companies going by this this office every day heading down to Buffalo Trace and other distilleries throughout. So uh, I, again I am very optimistic uh, as an industry for bourbon internationally uh, not just domestically but the growth internationally and from a tourism standpoint again it gives us that calling card. When I'm talking to a tour operator in, say, Germany uh, about bringing a group here or sending their visitors here, and they say, what sets you apart? And I say, we make 95% of all the bourbon. And you can go see, you know, I think we have 65 plus bourbon experiences now. That sets us apart. And, and it's very Americana. You know, there's nothing more unique and American than bourbon, right? So uh, it really is a calling card for us. And, and it's just... I'm very thankful to the distilleries because, as I said, 15 years ago, maybe the thought of investing $20 million plus into a visitor experience on, on a distillery campus would have been met with, what are you talking about? Um, and, and again, whether you're in a, an, an urban area uh, like downtown Louisville in their bourbon district or Lexington's distillery district or up in northern Kentucky with some of their new developments up in, around Newport uh, or, or, you know, small communities like Lawrenceburg where you can go visit Wild Turkey and these world-class distilleries. It just, it, it really is uh, such a unique and, and um, interesting experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I had somebody say to me one day, well, aren't they all the same? And I'm like, 
you know, the process is the same. Yes. I mean, it's 51% corn and all this other and, and, and the cooker and all that other stuff. But, uh, you know, the stories are what make it so unique. And, and hear how they're interrelated and, and some of some of our brand new ones coming in, even their backstory. It's just it's just really cool. And I just don't I don't see the end in sight. I'll, I'll put it that way. We're, we're very bullish on it. And, and we have great uh, relationships with our distillery partners. Whenever we call on them for help, they're they're always there for us. Uh, and, and we try to return the favor with PR marketing and everything we can to drive more visitors into their campuses. You talk about the experience. What I've really enjoyed here recently is seeing all the restaurants pop up, you know, from James B. Bean, the, the kit, the kitchen table to what Logstill is doing. I mean, that definitely, don't you think, just kind of adds to I want to stay. I want this bourbon infused food. It just it makes you want to stay a little longer. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, and it really kind of follows the path of wine country in Napa. You know, it used to be you go out for, for the wine. And now if, if you think of going to Napa or, or that area of California, it, it's, it's about the culinary as well. And it's about spa retreats and, 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 and so, much, so many other things. And, and we are starting to see that. Uh, and it's a natural evolution. And, and as I said, you know, years ago, when you looked at the, at the distilleries, I think the visitor centers were lost leaders, right? It was, we're just going to open this for some folks who want to come in and and it's really about brand loyalty and, and, and not only not to sound mercenary or anything like that, you know, they became profit centers. And now it's, well, how do, and, and now it's gone beyond that too. How do we really immerse our visitor into our brand experience? And as the brands have grown into, you know, how many of our bourbons now have uh, uh, steak sauces or, you know, uh, uh, seasonings and things like that. As that brand has grown, they're now starting to see that evolve. Our restaurants are seeing the opportunity, so they're infusing bourbon and doing some really cool things. And then just experiences in general that are out there. You know, the fact that you can go to a distillery in Kentucky now, just about any weekend in the summer, and hear live music at an amphitheater specifically built like you can at Log Still, that's just a cool experience, and that's a different experience than you're going to get at, uh, you know, at a at a Buffalo Trace. Not that one's better than the other. But it's just, I think it's just the evolution of the industry and the evolution of the tourism aspect of the industry that you're seeing this. And again, I think that's just going to continue to grow. We're seeing so much more private investment coming in, even outside of the distilleries. I've talked about the, the transportation companies, the restaurants, uh, and, and, and even hotels now you're starting to see come in that are bourbon themed. And some of the distilleries thinking about uh, campuses, log still, uh, excuse me, uh, accommodations, log still for one has, you know, I think they're planning for 30 cabins to be on site. Uh, you, you've got the Samuels house opening up just outside of Bardstown as a, as a destination B&B uh, and then tie into to everything. So it, it's it's really fun and cool to see the growth. And, and as I said before, I just think it's going to continue with, with no end in sight right now. Do you anticipate getting some international travelers like back? You mentioned we love having their tours like over here, I think, as we see some of the travel bans lifted spring, summertime. Yeah, we're already starting to see it a little bit. The, um, you know, in 19, 2019, it was about 3%, international travel, about 3% of our overall spend here in Kentucky. And, and uh, of course, that just went to zero in 2020 because nobody was traveling. And late 21, as it started to open up, we're seeing it. Uh, and, and it's a great opportunity for us. Uh, it, it truly is. And I'll tell a story. When I was the, bar the tourism director in Bardstown uh, a couple of years ago, 
Um, if you've ever been to Bardstown's Visitor Center, it's in the, in the courthouse in the, in the roundabout downtown Bardstown. So you can take your life in your hand going in. You really want to go in there, right? And I found in the back just an old uh, re guest register. And I set it out. I, I signed my name first and because and nobody wants to be the first one to sign. And I left it out there. And I went and checked it um, maybe a month later. Just started flipping through the pages. And we had, we had had people come into the visitor center at that point from something like 32 states, and I think it was six countries. And, you know, it was Australia, Brazil, UK, France, Germany. And, you know, during my time there, we had people from uh, Central America. We had people from you know, Canada, of course, and, and really all over. And when I went and, and spoke to the Rotary Club not long after, I told them that story, and you, I could see people shaking their heads saying, they're not, and like, folks, we don't sit in the office and say, whose turn is it to go sign the book and where are you going to be from today, right? These are people that are coming in, making a, a specific effort to come in. So imagine the ones that aren't doing that, that you're not seeing. And uh, so international Kentucky is, I, I hate the phrase hidden gem. I just think it's overused in our industry, but we truly are that when it comes to international travel. Um, you know, when you think from, from how international visitors travel, they visit three to four states when they're here. They'll stay anywhere from two to three weeks. Their spend is eight times the domestic traveler spend. So it's a lucrative market. It's hard to track at times, but it is certainly something uh, and a focus of ours moving forward. Right now we have, we have marketing efforts in Germany and UK. UK is our primary market, Germany. Uh, we do things in France and Canada. We're doing some, a little bit in, in uh, uh, the Nordic countries. So in Australia as well. So, so they're great markets for us and, and certainly ones we want to grow. Well, it doesn't get any more international than Breeders' Cup landing at Keeneland again this fall. I mean, talk about kind of perfect timing with restrictions lifting and having that there. Uh, you, you must be so excited to, to have it there again because I feel like it draws in so many other events that pop up, right? So many other activities and things that it, that it brings as far as interest. Yeah, it sure does. And, and of course, we were knee deep in the planning of it when in, in March of 2020 when COVID hit. So uh, when when Lexington hosted it in 2015, Louisville's hosted it a number of times, but, but Lexington specifically hosted it in 2015. Some of the challenge I think they had was it was the smallest city that they had ever hosted. And I think by the hard work and efforts of, of the host committee, they, they proved not only can Lexington do it, they can do it as well as anybody else. So uh, just this week, I've had a call with some of the organizers up there on, on the festival, and they're bringing that back back to your earlier question about seeing those come back. But from an exposure standpoint, you know, it, it certainly positions Kentucky once again as, as the horse capital of the world. It does give us international exposure, and it gives us an opportunity to maybe host some, some travel riders, tour operators to come in and give them a little bit of taste of what they can sell and tell their, their readers about. Uh, and try to attract that, that international audience. We're very excited about Breeders' Cup coming back. And switching gears a little bit, because a big part of our state was impacted by tornadoes in December. Uh, in light of that recent devastation, is there anything that people should know? Because there's so many popular spots out there, right? What should people know if they are planning a trip? Are there certain things that, that they're going to have to wait a while on? Or what would you tell people? Uh, certainly in the western part of the state by, and, and, and southern part of the state by the communities or in the communities that were impacted by the storms, uh, I would certainly say call before you go. 
see if it's open, see if, see if whatever attraction or, or uh, hotel you're, you're going to was damaged, check on that. Um, it's gonna be a long recovery for some of those, those communities. Um, I know some of our state parks in the Western part are still housing some displaced, um, supply, displaced uh, citizens and families, so they may not be open to, to their full capacity. We call ahead. Uh, the good news is that, you know, again, through Governor Bashir's efforts and fundraising, I think the, the team um, Western Kentucky Relief Fund is over $40 million that's been raised. Uh, I know the Distillers Association and others raised money to, to go there. So a lot of those efforts are ongoing, but, but let's not kid ourselves. It's going to be a long recovery for some of those areas. Uh, I would kind of flip that around though and say if there is an opportunity to go down and spend some money on things that weren't impacted, do it. It will help the community help some of the, get some of those folks back to work. Um, and then from a state park standpoint, of course, the rest of the state, we've got plenty of, of other options. If, if you're planning to go to the Western, uh, Western region and, and something's changed, we have other options throughout the state that can accommodate you. It was great to see that outpouring of support just from around the world. You know, yeah. people really reaching out and um, and helping everybody here. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I uh, in, in in our industry, we do have contacts around the world, and, and it was amazing to me uh, the number of people and from where uh, that reached out and and just thoughts and prayers and offering assistance, whatever they could. And and I really think it, it just goes to show how you know most people are very truly kind at heart and, and want to help each other. Uh, I think we have an, a, an overabundance of that here in Kentucky with our with our folks and just, you know, the outpouring of support from the, the uh, DMOs, the, the, the travel offices, the destination marketing organizations, who many of them jumped right in and, and became a, a location for uh, relief supplies and distribution and fundraising to help. And, and they did that through COVID as well. And I, I'd, I'd be remiss about it and say thank you to them and, and what they did in those areas specifically. Well, I know that you're constantly busy shouting all the great news about Kentucky from every mountaintop and you're very busy. But when you do get free time this year, are there certain events or places that are on your list of, I want to get back to here or I can't wait to get to this event or that event? Yeah, it's funny you asked me that because we were, I was talking to some of my staff in a staff meeting the other day and I said, you know, it feels like forever that we've been out and able to go experience things because we're better marketers when we're able to go out and experience it just like anybody else. And, and I'm very excited that Derby Festival is coming back. I'm very excited about Breeders' Cup, but uh, you know, I want to get down uh, to Eastern Kentucky around the Prestonsburg area and see some of the new developments there. I want to get up to Covington, my hometown and uh, get up there and, and see some of those new bourbon experiences that they have. So uh, I, I once told somebody, if I'm in my office more than 50% of the time, I'm not doing my job. And it's it's time for me to get out and, and my staff as well to get out and, and, and see these and enjoy them ourselves. We keep telling everybody about all the great things in Kentucky. We're not going to have visitors anymore. We're going to have new residents. I hope so. <laughs> right? People are oh. going to come and visit and they're going to end up like buying vacation homes like they've been bragging about in East Kentucky and in Harlan County. The people like it so much, they're they are truly seeing that happen. Well, and, and along those lines, and, and uh, you're right, that is happening. And we're seeing a, really an explosion of Airbnbs and, and short-term rentals uh, around the around the state. But one thing that, that people need to understand too of what tourism does from an economic development standpoint, we, are, we promote quality of life. And when you're looking at these major economic uh, development, 
projects, you know, like the, the Ford battery plant that, you know, the largest economic development program in the history of Kentucky that, that, that Governor Bashir was able to land. Uh, when we look, when you look at that and, and the, the life cycle of, that pro of those types of projects, they're looking at probably two or three destinations that from a land cost and employee, you know, availability and et cetera, I guess from the hard cost are all equal. What tips the scales? Many times it becomes that quality of life, everything that we sell, what do you have from an art standpoint, um, uh, from an entertainment standpoint, you know, how close are you to this and flights? And, and I think that gets lost many times that tourism and, and our industry and what we promote play such a vital role in that. So I was very happy to see that, that uh, the, the Elizabethtown Tourism Group was involved in that pitch. Um, but you're right, get them here and you're, you're gonna start seeing that, that investment, those return visitors. And uh, uh, I, do, I do spout from the mountaintop, I'm losing my voice now, even talking to you. Commissioner Manchet, that's all I have. Anything else, any final words you wanna to give our listeners or to tell people as they plan their trip this year? Sure, I would, I would say go to KentuckyTourism.com and order your inspiration guide to see everything that we have to offer. Not everything, but as much as we can get in that booklet every year. And uh, Claudia, thank you for doing this. And uh, y'all come to Kentucky and spend money. We love it. A special thank you to Commissioner Mike Manget for taking the time to kick off the podcast season. For more details, head to my show notes or start planning your road trip at KentuckyTourism.com. Have a great week, everybody. Cheers.